This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning. This is BFM's The Morning Run. I'm Ku Chung with uh, Wong Xiaoning, 29th of Jan- 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 Blah, June 2022. Hello, hello, hello. Six <laughs> months has gone by, Chuang. I don't know what happened to you. Were you like in a cloud or in a dream? Or I, I want it to be January because it's too, too much time has gone by and too fast a time. And you've accomplished very little, like all of us. Yes, <laughs> as always. As always. Year in, year out, I've, I've, I've got a podcast called Do More. I should rename it Do Less. In fact, Do, <laughs> do Nothing. nothing. <laughs> How are you, my dear? All right. I'm okay, I'm okay. Okay, a little bit um, tired in the middle of the week, but otherwise raring to go, raring to go. I saw that you spoke to Penny. I'm going to speak to Penny. Hello, what are you talking about? No, sorry, that's what I mean. See, my, my memory has left me somewhat. You will speak to Penny. Exactly. And who is this Penny? Wong. Yes, East another Malaysian. Wong. Half Australian, actually. Well, she's actually Australian by uh, citizenship. And also by um, by birth, because I think her mum was Australian. No, is she, Australian? she's, well, her father is Sabahan, her, her mother is Australian. So at eight years old, she moved back to Australia. And uh, today, she is the Minister for Foreign Affairs. It's a big deal, because this a is the time when China is rearing its, uh, flexing its muscles in the region. Of course. So I think a lot of questions will be centred on that. We'll take a big picture view when we have that conversation with her. Less so about Malaysia, actually. And also, at uh, I mean, it's a full day in, uh, ahead of your conversation with Penny Wong. At quarter past seven, we asked a very uh, important question of why women are delaying marriage and even childbirth. And of course, there will be consequences to that. The discussion will be with Anis Farid of the Women's Aid Organisation. Yeah, and then at 7.30, we're going to be talking about a very plush resort in Switzerland uh, with a group of seven men. I think it's seven men. Are there any women? I can't even remember. Uh, one woman, sorry, excuse me. Uh, but is there going to be anything substantial from this G7 meeting? We're going to have this conversation with Bun Nagara. He's the Political Analyst and Honorary Research Fellow at the Institute of Strategic and International Studies. And there will be bombshell UMNO revelations by the deposed Dato Sri Tajuddin Rahman, formerly of uh, UMNO. And I no, think, still of UMNO. Still. But still, he's been No somewhat, longer Supreme Council member. That's right. Ah. That's right. So he, he's uh, fallen off his mantle somewhat. That discussion will, will occur with Dato, in fact, Dr. Hamidin Abdul Hamid, the Senior Fellow at um, one of the very important political organisations in Malaysia. So all that will be coming this morning. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, still corners with Blue Lagoon. In fact, Black Lagoon. <laughs> it's quite a different colour. I'm Chuang with Chowning on the morning run. It's uh, seven minutes past seven, seven minutes past six. I chose this story from says.com about uh, what I found was very interesting happening in, the, in schools in China. And it shows pictures, very interestingly, interestingly of, a, of a school in China, in Handan City, actually, about uh, how kids in, in, in fact, I think preschool, or even very early primary school, they have uh, desks and tables, and these t- desks can, can transform, like aeroplane seats, into, into basically beds with blankets and, and pillows, right? Yeah. And each seat comes with a custom-made pillow and blanket for children to sleep in during the day, in between classes and in between breaks. This seems cute at a superficial level, but actually I think it, it shows something more um, substantive within China's uh, policy in the, in the sense that basically the race uh, starts upon birth and you know they, they go through long classes, quite concentrated uh, educational uh, courses, and then they're so exhausted that they've got to be able to allow, to allow to sleep during, during classes. Um, this is called Don't Waste Time. Don't Waste Time. Don't Waste Time, okay? <laughs> that's Hong Kong, that accent. Okay, but basically that's it. Don't Waste Time. Let's convert this chair into like a bed, like a foldable bed in two seconds. Rest here, don't move. Don't waste time. Yeah. You just lie down. 15 minutes later, we wake up, wake you up and then we get back to work. 
Yeah, and also save save costs because <laughs> there's no additional room or beds or bunks. You just change the same uh, infrastructure to something else. It's so like two a, to um, a little bit like a, a semi-swanky business class seat. Shall I put it there? <laughs> when I look at the picture, I'm like... What's the closest thing this resembles to? By some accounts, actually, China's economy has overtaken the US's. By some accounts. Uh, Still officially, I mean... Officially, not yet. But by some accounts, it already has. And I think this is the reason. The population of China is 1.4 billion people. They removed their one-child policy six years ago, being aware that their working age population was going to decrease significantly by the mid-21st century. And um, they want every single one of their people to pull their weight. In fact, more than pull their weight. And this this is a manifestation of that. Well, actually, this is partially in response to the fact that uh, prior to these business class seats or semi-business class seats, uh, children just used to sleep at their desks. Okay, just literally put their heads on the table and then take a, a, a cat nap. But apparently, of, and I can tell you, it's extremely uncomfortable, right? It's not nice, yeah. Yeah, and apparently kids had like numbness in their legs. I'm sure it wasn't the best for their spine and they probably didn't even get any rest. So this is in response to this napping habit that China had already practiced. But when you think about it, the napping thing, aside from the sheer efficiency of these chairs, right? <laughs> I'm looking at them and I'm just semi-fascinated. Maybe that's what we should do at BFF. Everyone's chair should be converted like this <laughs> with a pull of a lever, blah, 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 it'll come out. And then, you know, we'll drag our little duvet and pillow from under the desk and we can work 24-7, right? But jokes aside, naps aren't that bad if you think about naps it. Naps are fantastic. I love naps. In fact, I take naps all the time. Excuse me while I just close my eyes. <laughs> While Chuan converts his chair into a, a mini lounge chair and then off he goes and mill the show. No, well, those power naps are fantastic. Well, sometimes Five. you're here but we're not really sure whether you're here. Now we know you're actually Sorry. napping, your eyes are shut but you're just One sticking. One more time. Sorry, what did you say? <laughs> um, yeah, so it's productivity. La. It's about being, um, you know, getting the best out of every child. It's about keeping the brain fresh. It's, got, it's about getting them started well in life. Um, this is this is China's approach, lah. You know, we don't see many countries around the world doing this. In fact, some people might say it's inhumane, because you know, you, you just want your people to to start performing to their best of the abilities at a very early age. Mm. You know, and I don't I don't think this is going to happen in America. Parents will be in an uproar. The only reason they can do this in China is because the government is so strong, top down. Get in line or get out. But when you think about it, it's not necessarily a bad thing, right? It's not, it's not because a bad thing. if the the education system is so rigorous, right, yeah. and the day is filled with so many activities, yeah. so let's say your your school day starts really early, I'm assuming maybe seven seven thirty, taking a nap in between, maybe after lunch, makes a lot of sense because then you come back to your classes in the afternoon, rejuvenated, rested. Versus, you know, where you're just exhausted because you're trying to finish the school day without any breaks in between or really, you know, a little bit of a a, a shut eye, even for 15, 20 minutes is a big difference. I find that, right, when I'm extremely exhausted during the show, what I'll do is immediately after the show, I'll just take a 20, 30 minute nap in our legendary BFM nap room. Yeah, that's an altruistic point of view, which is probably right as well. But I think the intentions, if I'm going to take the other side of the equation, is the Chinese government does not have an altruistic point of view. They have a very, very, um, I would say, mercenary or is it professional. Mercenary? Yeah, because I think so. Because th- the culture of performance and productivity and ability starts now. The day you're born, and you can see that in the, edu- edu- in the education sector, mm. you know, even if you have a little bit of money in middle class, you want to send your kids to the best schools because you want to give them the best chance. And even sporting teams, sporting abilities, athletics, everything, tennis, javelin, whatever, right? The, the, the selection process is so rigorous. 
For sure, Everybody because you're competing with 1.3 billion yes, people, yes. right? And, and every single child yeah, is doing all it can. Exactly. And, you, you know, parents also are willing to spend because you've only got that one child, yeah. right? So it's either or, or everything. Yeah. It's like, you know, you put all your bets on the table. That's essentially where, what parents are doing for their kids. And this but this is, nap thing, I don't think it's a bad thing. I wouldn't mind a chair like that, Trong. Yeah, okay. Well, tell us what you think. It's uh, one of those divisive issues. The Twitter handle is at BFM Radio and the WhatsApp is at 018-789-8899. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, Charles Bradley with Ain't It A Sin. 6.19 in the morning, our next story, again, comes from says.com. And this is very interesting news. In fact, good news, but for not everybody. Because under the uh, arrangements and under the amendments uh, proposed to the Employment Act 1955, which will come into force on 1st of September, employees who want to work on a flexible basis can apply for flexible working arrangements with their respective employers. Now, according to Banaba, this application can be made in writing and the arrangement includes changes in working hours, working days and also the location of work. And this is according to the Deputy Minister of Human Resources, Dato Awang Hashim. Employers, though, may have a very different idea of what this might portend. Yeah, I don't think it's that easy to implement. I think it depends really on the sector that you're working in, the type of business that you're doing, right? So, for example... Um, how does it work in a in a place which is very regimented, where you really have to turn up? You know, you can't even work from home, or, and it's like, or there's a, like a labor shortage. What do you do then? Yeah, I think the application of the law will will be uneven and imprecise and difficult to implement, especially if you have a large workforce and you can't, especially for those quite quite new ones as well yeah. who have joined the workforce. You you don't really know where they are in terms of the independence. Um, I've had, you know, very senior bank um, bank managers, you know, or, or you know, MD level at some of the banks, and they tell me that during lockdown, some of their very senior people were even, uh, you know, they went AWOL <laughs> without reporting, and these are very senior guys. Yeah, huh? you didn't know where they were. You didn't know where they were. They didn't know what they were working on, and um, this is, I th- I think you've got to really trust your employee. You really got to know what they can do and what they can't do to be given this latitude, because otherwise. You know, it's not like in America where, you know, uh, remuneration and, and rewards are based on your output. It's, mm. it's quite discretionary. I think firstly, um, yeah, so sector is sector dependent, nature of work dependent, company dependent also. I mean, if you're like a small SME and there's like four of you all and everybody wants to take flexible work arrangements, sometimes it's just not possible. Then who's going to be in the office, for example, right? Then how do you manage this? But the reality is that I think this conversation has come up because the nature of work has changed forever and ever. COVID-19 has has taught us that, yes, we can, for some businesses, we can work remotely. People can have some form of flexibility. But I'm not sure the enforcement of it is going to be, or at least, the imp- not enforcement, the implementation of it is going to be as smooth. And now, now, okay, we are having this situation whereby, let's say the, the bargaining power is with the employees because everyone kind of knows, you've talked about the great resignation, you know, it's, it's hard a talent to, war. Yeah, it's hard to find people. So employers are like, okay, we'll, we'll, we will consider all this. But if the, if the tide turns, then what happens? That is why I think there's a change. That, it's not even subtle anymore. It's, it's very significant. The change in paid labor and employment with the gig economy. Because in the gig economy, this has been happening for years, right? Yes. And, and freelance workers, gig workers, 
they can be anywhere in the world. I mean, my personal company website was built by a Moroccan guy when he was living in Bali. Right? Yeah, but and that's we did something, everything remotely. But that's something you can do remotely. Yeah, Some yeah, things you can't do remotely. For example, we've tried, right? I've tried during COVID-19, we tried to do shows from home. And it wasn't ideal. So let's say you were here in the studio. Qualitatively, yeah. it wasn't. And I was working from home. And the sound quality, we cannot deny that Kusutrang was not great. Yeah, so Plus, the fact that you and I were not in the same room meant that the interaction wasn't there. Because the chemistry wasn't yeah, there. The chemistry wasn't there. I couldn't read your face. You couldn't read my face. Even via Zoom, it wasn't... You know, it's, it's never the same as when you're in the same room. The vibe isn't there. So some things are just hard to replicate uh, in a remote working situation. So very much on a case-by-case basis, and of course the bosses still have the, la- have the last say. But the, in the gate, I just want to go back to the freelance economy, right? Mm. Because in the freelance economy, everybody is as good as their last job yes. and the current job. If you don't perform to the current job, you, do just, you just don't get contracted for the next job. And in fact, what happens as well happens is that your rates will be affected because yeah. there's, there's peer reviews and you know your, your team members can, can pitch in. And that's what you know happens has been happening for a number of years. Which is exactly why even if it's a non-gig eco- uh, job and you want to you want to actually implement this four-day week or flexible day week or whatever you want to call it, right, in a company, I think the company needs to have a long, hard look at itself, whether A, it can cope. B, after it, is, it says, yes, we can do this, you really need to sit down and think about what are the KPIs you want to assign to each and every person that signs up for this so that there's no confusion or misunderstanding yeah. in terms of what the deliverables are. It's all about mapping out the JD. Yes, because if you don't, then later on there'll be a lot of quarrels and fights that I didn't do, you didn't do, why didn't you do? And then the person, you didn't tell me. You know what I mean? So there has to be this, I tell you what your tasks are, I trust you to deliver. If you don't deliver, these are the consequences. However, I think that countries and companies must make that change already because it's happening. Yes. And people at PwC have talked about this for a number of years. They've talked about the world being a content-creating economy in the next 5, 10 years, 15 years. And this is happening. In fact, Bali has just issued this thing called the Indonesian government, actually, has issued a digital nomad visa for, for Bali specifically for people who with a digital background to go and work there on a digital nomad visa. It's fantastic. Go and check it out. It's, it's amazing. But what I find really interesting is the, the newest of the new economy companies is reversing that trend and that's Tesla because it's told its workers if you don't come back to work by a certain date we deem you have been fired. I think over time there will be a middle ground because obviously Elon Musk is the world's best capitalist and he might have one or two things to say about the matter. It is 6.24. We'll come back after this with Shangri-La by the Kings. But before we go that, I want to leave you guys with a comment made by one of our listeners, Ro, in response to the, you know, the bed napping story from China. He said, or he or she said, please don't install those convertible chairs in Parliament. MPs are already falling asleep. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, 6.40 in the morning on the 29th of June 2022. That was Bruises by Chairlift. I'm Chuang with uh, Wong Chuan and it's time to look at some interesting news. And I found that um, this little item from Canada, actually, gold miners in northwest Canada have discovered a mummified baby woolen mammoth, woolly mm. mammoth, frozen in the tundra that's more than 30,000 years old, right? And it's the first completely mummified mammoth uncovered in the region and only the second found globally. The mammoth's name is Nunchoga, which means big baby animal, uh, used by the Native Americans in the area, and uh, which then led me down a rabbit's hole to this other story. Uh, a Peter Thiel biotech startup is has ploughed money into a venture that aims to resurrect the baby woolly mammoth. 
Didn't anybody watch Jurassic Park? I mean, they there didn't watch Jurassic Park 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. I don't know how many they are. Yeah. But uh, let me tell you, they will come back and eat us. Stop yeah. whatever you're doing now. Um, the, the first slogan from the first movie, life. Dot happens. Dot. And they eat you. They, they dot, eat dot, you. dot, dot, dot. I'm not sure it's a great, good idea to resurrect things that happened in the past and which died naturally for whatever reason. Yeah. Let this go gently into the night. When they're gone, they're gone. It's like a bad lover. Let them go. Never see them again. Okay. I mean, I'm sad that they kind of, you know, uh, that's the end of this little baby mammoth. But hey, okay, yeah. it's fine. In an age of uh, global warming, you don't want a baby woolly mammoth because it's going to sweat to death. <laughs> okay. But I, of course, have to move on to more serious topics. Since baby You've cast, man, you must, you must, yes. I must. So, um, news out of the Financial Times. Finland and Sweden are poised to join NATO after Turkey drops veto. I think originally there was this a lot of talk that it was not going to happen. But clearly it has happened. And I don't know whether this ratchets up the tensions in Europe because, as we know, the war in Ukraine continues and it's, what, 120, almost 130 days already. Yeah, and of course, uh, we are reading from the, from, from the news for in the last few days. And in fact, the attacks have intensified uh, following the EU summit a few days ago. And um, yeah, it doesn't seem as if Russia's Putin is going to back down. So the world is on tenterhooks. And I think, in fact, I had dinner with a friend uh, uh, my wife's cousin's husband, actually, who runs a very successful restaurant business in England. And in England, they're very afraid that, um, first of all, of its proximity. I think he mentioned that London is a 20-minute journey for one of the nuclear bombs that Putin can actually press his button on. Mm. That's the first thing. And they're quite disconcerted by the fact that there's this tuzzled-haired, blonde uh, Cambridge graduate who's running the country. And they don't, have, they don't have very much faith in Bojo, in fact. And He's planning to stay till 2030, by the way. And he continues to visit Ukraine and offering arms, which... Which disconcerts a lot of Brits. I think if you country. ask me, those are just distractions because he's having such a, t- a tough time domestically, right? And the recent by-elections have all been losses for the Conservative Party. So th- uh, the argument is that he's going to Ukraine to deflect, deflect, deflect because we're talking about Teflon Bojo right here. Yeah. Yeah, and the fact that he partied during lockdown doesn't help his case in any one, in any way, shape or form. So let's take solace in the fact that this, I've got this nugget of information from Real Clear Science, which okay, another is fun a bit fact of a distraction. Yeah. Let's go for it, Chuang. Sharks are older than trees. In fact, they have survived all five global mass extinctions. They've been around for I thought that was a cockroach. Uh, no, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe the same category. They've or maybe some of, for, some of those. Uh, okay, anyway, continue. 420 million years. And in fact, trees have only been around 370 million years. That's from real clear science, by the way. Okay, I'm sure. Uh, meanwhile, looking at the Wall Street Journal, I think some very interesting revelations coming out of the January 6th hearings on Capitol. Uh, did you watch some of it? Because there was a special hearing to, yesterday. It was like called out of the blue, right? And that was because Cassidy Hutchinson She's the former White House aide. Um, she testified about how it's how likely Donald Trump and his cahoots knew about what was going on, and there was some measure of planning involved. I mean, you could tell from his tweets at the time, which obviously led to him being banned from the platform, that yeah. he was uh, part, at least in in some small way uh, part of the momentum behind that attack on the Capitol. And apparently, he wanted President Trump wanted to drive to the capital, but was stopped by the Secret Service and his words, I'm the toot president, take me to the capital now. Who's that that said that? Was it Dostoevsky who said that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely? It's very hard. We've seen people in power positions of power all over the world who, upon even the slightest whiff of being deposed from their position of power, 
does whatever they can um, to, to stay, stay in, in power. power. This sounds very familiar. I wonder where, where <laughs> I've heard this tune before. But very quickly, China yeah. has also slashed their COVID-19 quarantine for overseas arrivals in the biggest ship so far. This is reported by the Singapore Straits Times. So let's see how China market opens later today, whether it'll be a, a bit of a jump. That's going to be very interesting from an economic point of view. 6.45, we'll come back after this with some local news. But in the meantime, shout to the top by the Stahl Council, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, that was the Star Council with Shout to the Top. Uh, it's time for some local news with me, Chuang, and Chowning. I'm going to kick off proceedings, Chowning, with um, this uh, reaction to yesterday's upgrade on Malaysia's outlook on, sovereigns, on, on our sovereign ratings to stable from negative. Um, the economist there, uh, Silas Josh, he has pointed out that this development, positive for the country, implies that fiscal reforms might be in the offing. And yeah, I think he or she points out that uh, GST, although it might not be announced in Budget 2023, could come in March 2020 in budget in, in March next year, with a potential uh, GST rate of somewhere in the low single uh, digits, and um, the Petronas dividend payments to the government could go up, and royalty payments to state governments could be less than expected, which allows the government to meet its fiscal targets uh, of six percent uh, deficit to the uh, targets. 6% deficit to the target. 6% def- of GDP. Of GDP, <laughs> right. Yeah. I was like, hmm, yeah. what is Chuang so, saying there for a moment? Yeah, so fiscal reforms are coming, basically. I think they have no choice, right? They have no choice. They yeah. have clearly no choice. And the messaging is very apparent because we have been told that our subsidy bill is going to total close to $80 billion. We've been reminded that. And it's also been reminded that we can ill afford it. So I think it's, it's telling you, be prepared. Be prepared for maybe an expensive bill when it, com- when it comes to pumping petrol. Be, be prepared for your grocery bills to go up a little bit more. I think that's, that's the reality, right, of what, what is going to happen in the next few months. Now, I'm turning my attention to the CEO uh, H. Morning Breathe, and this is an interesting revelation here. Uh, Bank, Bank Pembangunan sues former MD and 26 others for alleged fraud and Bribery, and this is against its former president, group managing director, uh, Datuk Muhammad Zafir Hashim, over a four hundred million loan granted to Aries Telecom, which was approved in May twenty twelve, partly to finance this one point three billion project to install a fiber optic network around Peninsula Malaysia. Yeah, that's the issue with development finance institutions or DFIs, uh, which have been undergoing some kind of at least some momentum to reform by Bank Negara because their mandate is not necessarily profit uh, profitability. Yes, it's not. Um, it's about development. And sometimes uh, the awarding of loans and, fi- and finance can be murky and opaque and obviously prone to uh, coercion. I think, okay, that's where I disagree, Yu Chuang. I think... Yes, as a DFI, you might have a different agenda from a commercial bank in that you're not necessarily driven so much by profit. But the check and balances and the fiduciary duties of those who are in charge should be exactly the same. You should not be lending out money without making sure that the key criteria has been met in terms of solvency, the project longevity, the viability of it, all that has to have certain criteria, right? It's not just because you're a DFI, those standards suddenly drop. No, you're right. And, but the, the fact remains is that there has been issues within that, that sector, which has prompted Bank Negara to want to at least do some reform. And I think that was I think at least until a, a couple thing. of years ago, yes. talk of a merger behind between all the DFIs to come into one big super DFI, led, in fact, I think by one of the biggest, which is Pembangunan. Yeah. So let's see whether this will hasten or, or 
be catalytic in terms of uh, you know getting all the DFIs to to merge because that's what happened to the banking sector in 1997 right whenever there's a financial crisis then you see uh, M&As happening yeah and a consolidation uh Next item, page 9 of the NST. Uh, for, for those people who have been quite uh, distressed by the uh, wet weather in the last few days, according to the Met, there will, there will be more sunny days in store from this week. Bit of a break from the norm, and I think that's nice because we need a bit of uh, natural vitamin D in our lives. Yeah, the only thing is with this wet weather, are we then prepared for floods that are going to come, right? I think we just look back to what happened in Klang at year end. And, and those, you know, I hope we haven't forgotten and yeah. that, uh, you know, DBKL, where we the city council... We no Yeah, <laughs> whether we're ready for it. And, you know, the, we know it rains here in Malaysia. Why are we so ill-prepared again and again every time? Yeah. Um, you know, a few days ago, we talked about this um, residence committee from Amber Court in Genting Highlands going to call a press conference because there was... <laughs> they, 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 they Supposed didn't, hantu. They didn't want the YouTubers. Well, the, the other hotel, that the other inst- um, uh, development that has been the subject of YouTubers saying that it's been haunted is Mutiara Hotel in Talabahang in Penang. Isn't it closed? It's been closed since For years, 2006, right? right? So anyway, according to one of the news items... Um, Trade winds, I think, which used to run Mutera and which does some, run some of the Mutera It's owned hotels, by Tan Sri Said Musa. Uh, Bukhari, yep, has uh, gone back again with his former partner um, to go and potentially reopen the hotel. And it, I think, you know, because it's, it's been closed for so long, I think the amount of, of money that has gone to refurbishing the hotel is going to be huge. But I wouldn't be it surprised. It will be good because it's a huge eyesore in Dalabahang. I, I won't be surprised it's probably easier just to knock it down and start from scratch. It might be. Yeah, yeah. right. Okay, I've got the star in front of me and I think this is an interesting article. It's on page six and it's entitled M40 Families Caught in the Middle. So we keep talking about the B40s and the rising cost of food and inflationary pressures. But I think this article also reminds us that the M40s, even if you have maybe a low double-digit household income, 10,000, 12,000, if you have three kids, you live in Klang Valley and you've got financial commitments like two cars and a house, actually it is still quite trying to make ends meet because it's not easy to perhaps maintain the lifestyle that they were used to before COVID. And with all these costs increasing, it's been a challenge for some families. Yeah, and actually the uncomfortable truth here is that there's a lot of things that households can do. You know, because we always urge the government to come and help and to provide assistance, but within the household itself, there are many things that one can do. I mean, there's two very clear uh, possibilities, and it's very, you know, it's the kind of thing that organizations organizations can do, which the increased top line and uh, cuts uh, cost, right? Mm. Increased top line meaning maybe maybe you can scale up and get a better paying uh, job or get a you know work a bit harder, and you can cut costs. You maybe you don't have to take two car loans. Maybe you can take one car loan yeah. and take public transport. For but example, but these decisions are never easy, right? They're not easy. They're not easy, and um, it's easy to get more luxurious. It's harder to cut costs and to tighten your belts. It is unfortunately. Uh, it, the, the times that we are living in. Yeah, okay. 6.55, it will, in fact, 6.56, we'll come back after this with the news. But before that, Jean Genie by David Bowie, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.